is Coach MJ. You're back on another episode of the Real Mission Impossible Show. Today we have an interesting guest who's a leadership advocate. She has her own successful magazine and podcast. She's an award-winning, best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, and has a lot to say about transformational leadership. Isabella Lundberg is our guest. Isabella, thank you so much. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we uh, we we somehow we we crisscrossed our our connections through LinkedIn and and other people that we know mutually, and I'm very very happy to finally get you on here. I wanted to just talk about one of the keynotes I just delivered was about how emotional intelligence is so needed today in leadership, particularly with the advent of AI. What are your opinions? That is an excellent question. For me, it is also a component that is missing in that equation, actually social intelligence and also cultural intelligence. When we have that trifecta, we can move a needle much faster and quicker. And since we live in a very global environment, uh, just being emotionally astute, how things are affecting me, but without understanding how it's affecting others. And then what culturally this means, either we're we talking about a company or different countries or different parts of the world, uh, adds additional a layer of, for astute leaders to really lead during time of transformation. And then also when we add component of AI, we have tremendous opportunity to really look at where things are headed. Uh, what can we anticipate? How can we also position properly? And one of the key elements for me would be uh, paying very close attention. How is this affecting from ethical, moral standpoints? Are we using technology for greater good or are we using uh, for completely different purposes? Well said. And I think AI, of course, brings up different uh, feelings and emotions in different people. Uh, some people have felt through a fear-based kind of idea that that might they lose their jobs, AI is replacing this and AI is replacing that. And of course, that's one of the reasons why uh, I believe that, you know, emotional intelligence in leadership today is needed more than ever to help steward some of the people within organizations to understand that they have an opportunity to up their own skills and let AI kind of do the, the legwork, the day-to-day the -day stuff while they elevate their own career path and be able to take the next level. Because at the end of the day, nobody can ask you how you're feeling better than your mama. So when it comes to emotional intelligence, that's something that leaders need to embrace and get more of, I believe. What do you think? Absolutely. Everything obviously starts with emotional intelligence. And that is one of the biggest kill gaps that we're seeing today in current leaders that are leading not only large enterprises and companies, but also responsibility financially and people-wise, right? So if we don't have um, that skill very well developed and able to exude on daily basis consistently. We're going to have more conflicts, more clashing, and more issues. And when you now add additional layer of complexities because things are speeding up and they're not going to ever be slowing down regardless how we feel because everything happens quicker um, uh, in terms of information, in terms of innovation, in terms of the need. Uh, it's very important also for leadership specifically to be ready, able to not only handle the speed very well, but also position how they are absorbing information, how they're making decisions, how they're influencing and impacting others, and at the same time, how they're developing others. We have one now, one of the biggest discrepancies is that we're not developing as fast 
our team and talent uh, as we need. And those gaps are just getting bigger and bigger, fortunately. Interesting you would say that. Right pre-show, we talked about some of the enterprises that I was involved in and developing. I took an organization from three people and grew it to 790 team members over 15 years. And the only reason I didn't probably grow faster is I couldn't grow leaders fast enough. And I did, did not have a, a conscious way to do that uh, in the beginning. And I got caught short on the runway because if you're not growing leaders today, if leaders understand that their job is to grow new leaders, and if they're not doing that, then you're not preparing to scale your business or your thought leadership or whatever else you're advocating for in this world today. That is really interesting, too, because obviously some things that used to work may not necessarily be applicable in work today. But that doesn't mean that, again, we're on the end of the day still humans, right? So no matter what, uh, how we technology, use technology, we should that should be you really literally use as a tool, not uh, as, a, as anything else. It's something to support us in the process, right? But ultimately, how we grow and nurture teams I'm sure a lot of things you did uh, 15 during those 15 years, um, decades ago, it's still applicable in many ways because ultimately people want to feel that they belong, sense of belonging. They wanted to know that they're part of organization, that they sh have a shared vision value. And then also they have a great mission. What are we here for? What we're striving to accomplish? And when we have that, it's amazing how it turns out to not only have a great champions, who are championing those leaders, but also who are building amazing champion culture. And ultimately, as a result, we know outcome, right? That's going to be tremendously impactful how customers are going to be receiving the service and products that they're providing. And the rest of it, as they say, is history. And who is doing that extremely well today? It's really hard to depict because on one hand, they may be leveraging technology and also leadership, but then how they're overall being vetted and rated by the customer really speaks the volumes. Yeah, and of course, I agree with everything you've just said. And when it came down to that word customer, let's go ahead and define that there's two types of customers. There's the customer that they sell to, cater to, or service. And there's that internal customer who becomes loyal because they have felt that they've been in, in, involved in a higher calling, a higher mission. They're going to work not just for a paycheck, but because they feel significant, they're made to feel important. They're given the opportunity to grow and they have a lot of pride in working in that organization, which then imbues the, the whole message that if you take care of the people on the inside, they'll always take care of your customers on the outside. That is so true. And right now, obviously, psychology of customers is changing as well because they're more savvy. They have more information uh, than ever before. They have everything on their fingertips um, and they have opportunity to select where they buy, by whom they buy from and why. And it's opportunity now also for a lot of companies to revisit. Are you operating with high aesthetics? Are you providing great quality and also great price? Are you also providing great customer service? Are you doing um, greater good in terms of social impact footprint and how you are um, actually impacting not only environmentally, socially, but also with uh, with the profits and how you're supporting other others in the in, in the process? So we have so many different changes, and as behavioralists. 
I can see patterns of people behavior and that behavior, it's not going to go away. It's going to be amplified more and more. We can actually put in front of us wide range of products and services, but ultimately what consumers are going to consume and when and, and, and for what price point, it's going to really dictate it because again, you have to know psychology, who you're targeting and who you already have as your customer base and how you continue to nurture that and keep them. And being ahead of the curve, of course, is a big piece in what you've just explained. Uh, companies, let's say 20 years ago, might not have had a strategic psychological roadmap in front of them to be able to understand the hurdles that they would need to navigate, nor was really the customer in the front top of mind uh, outcome. It was more sell, 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 and then we'll figure it out. But today you're right, the, the true North Star is customer satisfaction. Then that customer becomes the advocate then that customer becomes the amplifier, the megaphone, and the cheerleader for the brand. So it's a very, very important. Who do you think, let's say, uh, that comes to your mind that would be a good example for us to kind of uh, get into here this morning? Just as an example, who would you, who would you one, one or two or three companies that come to mind that are doing this well? Obviously, we're seeing a lot of shifts in the major industries. We've seen some shifts that is happening with. Um, Financial industries, um, everybody needs the bank somewhere, but we're also seeing a lot of banks being fined for doing a lot of things that they shouldn't be doing. And if you're also just self-correcting so that you can do things um, uh, so that you don't get slapped and fined, then you're not leading. You're just uh, on the verge of, of that fine line where things are ethical and and and, and right versus wrong. So for instance, uh, we have opportunities to look at just the landscape of the banking system in the United States. Um, who is doing well? I really want to leave that for uh, listeners that are watching and listening to this show to really Google and look at which top five banks right now are leading the pack in all of those aspects that we were just talking about, that they're understanding their consumers, that they're doing extremely well in terms of how they're treating their customers, that they're also being very transparent and acting with integrity. And then ones that are not, why, where they fall short. When you look at all of that, cutting corners, changing policies or without informing people, having extra fees and fines, all of those things are short-lived and sooner or later consumers are uh, catching on. So why I'm answering specifically this way, I'm using this as one example, is opportunity for us also to make sure that we're doing due diligence. Is this something or someone that we want to be associated with? Does it fit uh, how we feel? And is it giving us up to ultimately outcome that we want? Do we feel that we have a trust? Um, there, you there you go. Because it's been blind trust that's been leading consumer behavior. Now you have a couple of bank failures and suddenly now fear takes over and there's no more maybe rose-colored glasses. And so what you said, that it's really down to the consumers to do the research and do their due diligence and let them decide on where their values are being met, apparently, with that provider is a great, uh, perfect advice in today's world. Thank you. And we also have opportunity, either it's banking, either it's selecting doctors and hospital and care, 
anything pretty much, even groceries, right? Like we had a discussions from um, elements is like, is it truly a food organic? Where is it coming from? And if you're paying higher price point, do you have guaranteed that food is truly organic and, and it's behind that label? It's um, the product that is being promised. Um, and how is that again, impacting consumers? So when we look at from all of those aspects, depending on our own values and criteria, we can truly drive decisions that make sense to us individually and then also collectively. All right. Well, well said. Uh, I want to get back into the, the leadership gap uh, that a lot of companies today are maybe starting to become more aware of, but there's still the dinosaur mentality in some of the uh, companies that haven't turned the corner to transformation. What would you say would be the three top skills? And this is not just to put you on the spot because I'll I'll, I'll I'll come back with my own as well. But what would you say would be the three top skills that leaders today should aspire to have a, a, a good skill strength in these areas? It's a great question, depending, again, which angle we're looking at that. But in just in generalization across the globe, uh, not specifically only just U.S., but predominantly focused and laser focused on uh, U.S., the skills that are missing, it is emotional intelligence, it is social intelligence, and it is cultural intelligence. Because those three are prerequisite for not only creating healthy environment, how to show up and how to lead, but also how to develop and support others. And then as a result, how that ripple effect is affecting uh, consumers. What we have now on president uh, statistics that are glooming, uh, and showing over and over a lack of honesty, integrity, transparency, as well as truly a lack of knowledge, because things are happening too fast. And if we are not continuously learning, we're going to have a problem. If we're also not adjusting, knowing that now we have highly diverse environment that we're working in, not just in the U.S. market, for example, but internationally, that we're also dealing with complexities we never had before simultaneously with others, uh, decision-making, critical thinking, but one that always come back, and I can't stress this much, is the most basic and most essential, but is also the one that is the have the biggest uh, impact, uh, positively or negatively, depending how our leaders are conducting themselves. It's communication. How do we deliver what is our intent, how visible we are? We're not just talking about verbal, nonverbal, how we show up. Uh, all of those pieces related to communication are essential. How that comes through our writing, how this comes through our delivery, how that comes through our visibility or frankly, lack of visibility. That's, that's amazing. I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head on all three of those points. And if I were to just add a little bit of uh, significance in the magnifying glass of that, the macro would be leaders who lead with empathy are going to have a bigger following uh, in the long lines ahead. Uh, when a leader can show up and, and as, you've, as you pointed out, when a leader can show up and people feel that they care uh, about them and about that they're listening intentionally and authentically to them, uh, it makes a big difference. And they're going to have also that long line of following. Because at the end of the day, 
Um, the days of, hey, have a look at my business card. Isn't it shiny? Have you noticed it's embossed with gold? And my title is this long and it's it's wonderful. It shows you how important I am. Uh, those are those are gone. Uh, who cares? Uh, nobody. So the only thing that people really care about, particularly in organizations today, is is my leader trustworthy? Uh, does my leader care? And and is there a significant opportunity for me to uh, go somewhere with this organization because I trust that person? And I think that all kind of wraps around uh, back to social intelligence, emotional intelligence, uh, and having that that view of humanity. I love your addition because obviously, again, empathy is one of the emotional behaviors uh, as well as compassion that isn't being missing. But all of those come through how? Through your behavior, right? How you communicate. Again, components of communication are never being this multi-layered. And I agree with you. But again, trust, it's not just built alone of empathy itself. It's uh, built based on consistency. And how do we show up? It's our delivery, our intent. And since that has been so skewed, it's very hard uh, at one point when we want to be empathetic to show and exhibit that, but yet on contrary, show other elements. It's it, that piece that missing is always the consistency, consistency of truly genuinely who we are. We can fake it till we make it. We've seen people doing that all the time, but it's so easy to look through it and see the gaps because very few people are able to consistently show up on daily basis, select to be very visible, so they can be also judged, right? And then at the same time, have passion and convention, and as you pointed out, empathy extended towards others in, in order to do what they need to do. And how many of those leaders do you see doing that on daily basis right now? Not enough, and that's, Hopefully, we'll be able to send a message out to leaders all across the United States and other parts of the world that here's a great opportunity for a shake-up and a wake-up call to be able to say, hey, folks, um, congratulations for getting this far. Now, just imagine that your job was up for a vote tomorrow. A, who would vote for you and why? And then if you had a chance for a second audition, what else do you think you need to bring to the table, to the party, to the buffet of your own leadership that will take you to the next level? Hmm. You're spot on. And as a result, we have to now work so diligently to know who our team members are, who are other players on our team, what their skills and strengths are, how they contribute to greater goal and vision and objective that organization needs to reach. And how do we complement versus compete? Because champions are never won uh, by competing internally with your team members, but complementing with wide range of skill set and expertise and coming as a joint force. Uh, we know what happens with all-star teams, right? When you have all-star players coming to all-star team, if they don't have a cohesion of union as a team, they will never win the champions, even though they're the best of the best. Because again, they do not know how to play on the team level. That's very true because at the end of the day, uh, you can have the best players in the world, but when their egos get in the way of that potential collaboration, you'll never get a sculpted David in your art gallery. It'll just be a chocolate myth. 
<laughs> I love your analogy. But we're yes, talking to Isabella Lundberg. She's a leadership expert, best-selling author. Uh, we'll be dropping links in to, so that you can follow her and find out more. What an interesting uh, full-bodied conversation we've had on leadership and uh, AI. And we also went into emotional intelligence. She's the real deal. I personally recommend that you check her out and follow her and see how she can help you and your organization take your own leadership to the next level. Thank you so much, Isabella, for coming on the show today. We'd love to have you back in one of our leadership forums, which we'll be putting together later on in the year. Sounds fantastic. It was a pleasure to speak with you, Coach MJ, and thank you so much for having me. That's great. Thank you so much for being on The Real Mission Impossible Show.